0: I wish I could, but I sure hate it. I don't care what it is. I don't ever want to be sick. But I just, I'm just thankful that you're willing to be careful and watch out for one another so that you can keep the tragedy from happening. Amen? God bless you tonight. If you have your Bibles, if you'd like to go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. And so much time is already gone. I don't want to bring preacher's going to Amen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse... 15. The Bible says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Man, this is what I really believe is, is just a New Testament reflection of the order that God has put in the church, and so that's the reason for reading that to you tonight, but I'm I want to preach again to you tonight on the blueprint of the church, the blueprint of the church. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the word of the Lord. Amen. We have talked over the past few weeks or so. I I don't know how many of you have been, I I can not get in trouble, but but we've been been going through this for a little while because God was very clear to Moses when he said, I want you to make the, the tabernacle, I want you to make a house for me to come down and... My people, I want you to make it after the pattern, and that pattern was a pattern. It was a blueprint of something that is in heaven. That one day soon we're going to be there. We're going to get to see it. We're going to be in the presence of the Lord forever. other. What you do, once you get to the house of God, and the house of God can be other places besides this building. Amen? Well, once you get to that place, you've got to have the right perspective towards the sinner that is around you, towards even your brother and your sister that is there in the house of God. You've got to remember where God brought you from when you go to do the work of the house of God, and you are called to work in the house of God. You are called to work in the house of God. There's no such thing as unemployed saints. If you're unemployed, you're not a saint. If you're a saint, you're employed. God, yeah, that would that with yes. Amen. You, you come to do work at the altar. You come to serve at God's house. And so we need to come to the house of God, prayed up and expecting God to do something as we work. And we live, because we're filled with the Holy Ghost, we live today with the privilege of coming into that presence of God. Coming into that holy place, into that place of fellowship and communion. And of course, there are three things that are inside that, that first part of the house of God. There's the candlestick, there's the table, and there's the altar. And so we have learned that there are three things. That there is light, and there is bread, and there is a role. When we come to the house of God, we need His Spirit to light our way. Yeah. He said that He was the light again. We need the Holy Ghost to lead us. No matter what we planned and prepared, we need to always follow the leading of the Spirit. And just in case you think that means you don't plan and prepare, the Spirit can move on you before you get here. Yeah. We need to be led by... By the Spirit at all times. And then you turn to the right. You turn to the right, and there's the table that is there. There's a table of showbread, and we know from that table that we must have the Word of God. We must have a, a regular diet of the Word of God. But it's not only enough just for us to eat it. It's not only enough because that bread represents all of us. That bread represents the unity that only that light of the Holy Ghost brings. we got to be on the same page. The winds blew at Pentecost. When they got in the one line that won't forward and in one place and not one moment before. But when they got there, God's Spirit began to be poured out. If we could get on the same page and get wounds healed and get broken things bound back up and get divisions done away with, we can have a move of God that will glory. We've got to all be together on the table. And so tonight we turn our attention to the altar. And specifically it's called at times the altar of incense. And so the reason it's called that is because there's two altars and you don't need to get them confused. There was one that we talked about right out of the gate, because literally it was right out of the gate, right inside the gate. We talked about the brazen altar. That's where the sacrifice was laid. That's where the blood was shed for your sins, to make atonement for the wrong that you've done in your life. It's been said that there are three fires associated with the tabernacle. Of course, there's the fire on the brazen altar. There's the fire that came out of the candlestick. And now there's going to be fire that we're going to read about that's on the altar of incense. And so it's been said that those were fires of destruction, instruction, and construction. Destruction is because you've got to tear some things down. You've got to let your flesh get brought down to where it belongs. It's got to be laid on that altar. And and, and we have instruction because of the light of the Holy Ghost that shines in our life but we have construction because now we are building upon a great and deep and intimate relationship with God. So, in the book of Exodus chapter 30, in verse 1, I'm just going to read one short verse there. It doesn't really give you a lot of insight. It just simply mentions what we're talking about tonight. Chapter 30, verse 1 says, And thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon, of shittim wood, shalt thou make it. This is the altar that we're talking about. It's the altar of incense. So now, let's go to the book of Leviticus chapter 16, because if you haven't picked up on this yet, the book of Leviticus is the thorough explanation of the service of the tabernacle and of the priesthood. Exodus is when they got out of Egypt and they got all the stuff made, but Leviticus was when God began to give them the laws and the instructions of how they were to do what they did. So don't get weary of reading Leviticus. Because there's more truth in there that our minds can even wrap themselves around. Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 12, the Bible says that he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord. That is the altar, the brazen altar, the one that's outside. He shall take a censer full of coals from off of that altar, and his hands full of sweet incense, beaten small, and it within the veil. And he shall put incense upon the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony that he died not. And he shall take the blood of the Lord and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times. So this is the last thing that the priest would come to before they would go into what we know as the holy of holies or the holiest of holies. The place where the Ark of the Covenant was. The place where the glory of God would descend down into that little room made by those curtains and and speak to that high priest as he made atonement for the sins of Israel. It was the last thing. It was the final destination before that man could be as close to God as flesh and blood would allow. It was so close, in fact, that it is considered in our honesty to be a part of even that inner it wasn't inside the room of the Holies of Holies. It wasn't inside the room of the Ark of the Covenant. But at times it is described almost as if it was because it was so connected to that altar. It was so connected to the presence of God. Do you want the presence of God in the house tonight? Because if you do, we got to get from this what the Lord wants us to get. We've got to see what the Lord wants us to see because you're not getting into the presence of God unless incense rises from all this altar. There are three elements that are mentioned here. The first is the scent of coals from off the altar. The priest, when he came in, would have to take fire from the brazen altar and sacrifice and bring it in with him. In addition to that altar, that fire, those coals, He would have to bring in in his hands incense that had been prepared, and in addition to that he would have to bring blood from the bullet. Those were all the things that he was going to have to have to be able to go into God's presence. Now, what is the significance? I know you know what it is, but, but I'm a preacher. This is what I do. You know, what is the significance of the coals and of the blood? They came from the altar. They came from the place Of sacrifice. They came to the place where the fire of God was. That fire that burned on the altar of sacrifice didn't come from man. It came from heaven. Which is why God said, don't ever, ever let go out. The altar that was on the outside was the place where the fire of God met the flesh of man. It was the place. It was the place where God's work was done in our life. Why is it that it's so different to walk into an apostolic church? Why is it that there are those that come? And they say, I've never felt anything like that before. The reason that it is so different is because those that are in this building tonight are those whose flesh came in contact with fire on the altar of God. And your sins have been washed away. And your soul has been redeemed. And there's something about that that can't be replicated. We've been crucified in the flesh. We've been washed in his blood. We're standing up alive in the house of God tonight when we ought to be dead. It makes a difference when you get inside the house of God. The fire that would be put on the altar of incense had the tongue of the one that was outside. The power of God that is present in our church services on Sundays and on Tuesdays and on Wednesdays. A product of the sacrifice that you make outside the house of God. Men keep looking for new answers. They keep looking for a new recipe for revival, but there's not one. If you want a revival, we've got to pray. If you want a little God, we've got to fast. If you want God, you've got To God's presence any other way than what He had turned on us getting. close, somebody. He said, out am the door, the sheep. And anybody that comes up, in any other way, they're a thief and they're a robber. He said, in another place, my sheep, they know my voice and they're not going to follow another. I've come to tell you, if we want to move God, we've got to do it God's way. So it's not hard, at least not for us, with the perspective of the full counsel of Scripture to find out the significance of this altar in heaven. Go to the book of Revelation chapter 8. While you're there, it's for your benefit. I got in a hurry the other week and I talked about 49 inspired books and I couldn't figure out how I got things messed up, Well, I figured out how I got things messed up. The original Hebrew text only had 49 books. Because all of the minor prophets were in one book. The kings and the chronicles and Samuel, they were in one book. i fixed this one. <laughs> Revelation chapter 8. Again, I remind you that that pattern that Moses was commanded, God said, Moses, be very, very careful. Pay the closest of attention and make sure that you do everything by pattern because it is a pattern of That keeps us alive as we stand in the supreme of glory of God is the prayers of these things.
1: You underestimate
0: too many times the power of your prayers because every word you get, every word you speak gets buried by angels into the prayer. It's There must be a spirit of prayer. ourselves That sounds almost like Daniel to me. Morning, noon, and night, Daniel prayed and he didn't care if it cost him the lives together. He was going to pray anyway. Why? Because incense has got to be put on the altar. We've got to stop thinking we can be children of God and only pray a couple times a week. We gotta get up in the morning and touch heaven. We gotta lay our heads down at night and touch heaven. Because we are children of God and heaven wounds when we pray. Oh. Isaiah 56, just in case you ain't got get Isaiah 56 and 6. Also the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love of the name of the Lord his servants, everyone that keepeth the Sabbath for polluting it and taking hold of my taking hold of my covenant. Sounds like sinners coming to God today. Even then will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon my altar, for thine house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. <laughs> You see, the survival of the people of Israel depended on not just the high priest going into the house of God, but the high priest had to put on a breastplate. He had to wear the, the, this, this ornament that hung around his neck and upon his shoulders that had 12 stones engraved in it. And those 12 stones represented the 12 tribes of Israel, which meant this every time he went into the house of God, he carried the whole nation with him. The survival of Israel depended upon a man that would go and stand in their place and lift up prayers for God's people. Our survival today depends on men and women that are willing to lift up prayers unto God. Our services need to be filled with prayer. There needs to be prayer before they start. There needs to be prayer all through the middle. There needs to be prayer when we go to the altar. I've heard stories told before of great revivals when the pastor would have a team of people in another room while everybody else was having church. The only thing that group of prayer warriors was doing us. We always have the church, the people of God, to be close to, to pray for us and to help us. In addition to all these things, we offer up prayers for the needs of the people. We offer up prayers for sinners to be saved, for yeah. backsliders to come home. We offer up prayers for miracles to be performed for the sick because God commanded us to do so. So what else is there? Because although I know there are some other churches in false doctrine, and they're deceived in some ways, what I have thus far described in all likelihood can be found in many other places. In most churches that call themselves Christian churches, you're probably going to find the preaching of the Word of God. You're probably going to find Sunday school classes. You're probably going to find God's people getting together. And most of them are probably going to say that they have an appreciation and a love for the people of God. Most of them are going to be able to walk in into an atmosphere where there's music and there's, there's praise in the name of Jesus. But is that the final object? Is that truly the destination? Because if it's not, what is? What is the destination that we ought to be after every time we gather together in the house of God? It's the Lord. How about making a light? of anything we have walked through thus far. I am so thankful that I can be quickened in a moment by the Holy Ghost. I am so thankful that I can have the Holy Ghost lead me into truth that I never saw before I found Jesus. I'm thankful for the people of God. I'm thankful for the Word of God. I'm thankful for prayers that are opened up on my behalf and are answered on my behalf. But i have also come to tell you, church, that that is not enough. Maybe it's enough for you. Maybe it's enough for somebody else. But i have come to tell you tonight. that I'll come for the glory. I'll come for that just on the other side of that, of that, of that curtain.
1: I'm coming not just for the house of God, but I'm coming from the door of the house. Oh, thank
0: you, Jesus. Exodus chapter thirty-three. Exodus chapter thirty-three, verse nine. And it came to pass as Moses gathered into the tabernacle. The cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshiped every man in his tent door. Moses went into this tent, this tent of meeting, we have God. God's presence and glory would come down, and he would talk with Moses. And it said that when the people saw that, when they just saw that, it caused them to worship at their tent door. Just the sight of the glory of God caused all of God's people to fall down and worship where they are. Isn't it interesting that Israel was standing afar off and yet the glory of God still provoked them to worship? (laughs) We wouldn't have to be pumped and primed and prodded and begged all the time to worship God if we'd get our eyes on His glory. If we'd come to church looking for more than just a whole people need God a bill to be paid, for it work to be sold if we come to his house with a desire in our souls. God, I'm not stopping till I get to where your glory is. The Lord spoke to me, Moses face to face, as a man speaking unto his face. And he turned again into the camp. I want you to see something. He talked to Moses, and now Moses was commanded by God to turn and go back to the camp to tell the people what God said. It's like Rachel. But, but, his servant Joshua, the son of a young man departed not out of the tent. God says, Moses, now go tell him what I told you. Okay, hey God, Joshua, I got to go tell him what God said. Okay, Moses, if it's all right with you, I'm just stay right here. Anybody ever felt like that? Chop shies, you're down at the altar, and you feel like thinking, maybe, maybe things everything's about to fall to the close, that the only thing you can think about is God, I just wish you'd let me stay here for a little while. God, I just wish you'd let you go and stay here for a little while. That's because when you came
1: into the house that night, you had a desire for his glory.
0: You wanted to be where he's at. I want to God that we long he's seen for his glory. Moses said to the Lord, see thou sayest to me, bring up this people. Thou hast not let me know whom thou hast sent with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, but thou hast also found grace in thy sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee. But I may find grace on thy side and consider that this nation is not people. I want to know the way. The light lights the way. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with thee, carry us not of hence. For wherein shall it be known here? that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight. Is it not in that thou goest with us, so shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are called the face of the earth. It's not hard to be separated from this world when the glory of God is in your life. It's not hard to really be a part of an apostolic church with the glory of God fills our house. They had divine protection. They had provision. Because we come to get our sins under the blood. We come to get fed the word of God. We come to leave with a blessing and pack up and go home. And I know that's better than nothing. That's better than what a lot of churches got. Brother Saints has already said it. His glory don't come down just because we're here. And it don't come down. Just because we've stopped sinning and just because we're getting along and we're all singing kubayah, His glory comes down because we seek after it. Because when we walk in the door and we let the light shine
1: and we get our soul stand in the pen and we lift our hands to God. He said, God, I don't want to go home until I see your glory. God, i want to get
0: in your presence. How many times, I don't want to come, I don't want to count. How many times we come and everything is falling flat. We got some good word. We left blessed. We left even better than when we came in. But at the same time, if you're honest with yourself and with everybody else, you'll admit you left with an emptiness in your soul. With a void that was not filled. And I've come to tell you why tonight. It's because we never got into His presence. We never got into His glory. Because we stopped short. We're thinking that the only purpose of those prayers is to heal our body and pay our bills. and all the problem. The Lord cares. By His stripes we are healed. I've been young and I've been old. I've never seen a righteous forsaken before his seed begging bread. God cares about all those things. He wants you to pray for your needs. eyes of your heart. But if that's the only thing you're seeking after, Uh, but if you don't get back rail every once in a while, you don't get back rail to want to talk to that woman, talk to that man and be with them just because you love them, just because they're the most important human you've got, just because you value that relationship, you're going to see that thing crumble and fall apart. I've come to tell you it's no different being married to Jesus. I know we gotta pray for some miracles. I know we gotta pray for some problems, but there's times we need to shut all that stuff in our back pocket and say, God, we come to give you presence tonight. God it doesn't matter to me. If you heal me or not, I just don't want to go home. Without your glory. Music comes. Where are we today, church? The last letter to the churches was to the Church of the Laodiceans. A church that was content with what they had. God forgive that be us. We have a comfortable air-conditioned building, well-developed theology, plan of salvation and holy living, but are we content? Is that enough? We want more. Church, I don't like reading about the Azusa Street revivals and wondering why it would happen. I don't like reading about the Great Awakening and wonder when everybody went back to sleep. I don't like reading the Book of Acts and having to ask God, God, where is it? When did the fire turn to embers? When will the miracles, signs, and wonders follow those that believe? When will the gifts of the Spirit start to flow freely again? I love the truth. Yeah. I can preach out the of God doctrine the day that I die. My one is glory. Yeah. Stand with me. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Couldn't be any more educated than Paul. In the systems of his day, you couldn't achieve much more than what he achieved. Verse 1 says, and I, brethren, I came to you cannot. Excellency of speech or wisdom, flaring of you the testimony of God. By a determined not to know anything above you, save Jesus Christ in I'm gonna read a couple more verses, but I want you to think about this for a moment. Think about how easy it is for us to shout. We read about the wonders of the tabernacle. Think about how, how easy it is for us to run the aisles when we think about the day of Pentecost and the Holy Ghost being poured out. And I'm kind of putting this in my own words, but Paul's basically saying, if I have to pick one message, if I can only give one thing into you, it's Jesus. weakness and fear and thus trembling my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom but a demonstration of the spirit of power that your faith should not stand the wisdom when Jesus came to his own they knew, to every intricate detail, how to do the service of the tabernacle. They knew how to make the incense. They knew how to keep a fire burning. They knew how to slay the sacrifice. They knew how to arrange it on the altar. They knew how to wash it.